bypass, I think that's what it is, ain't it right? Yeah, triple bypass. He's got two that's 100% blocked and one that's 80%. Uh, so keep that family in your prayer. Um, lift them up in prayer and cover them because uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. I mean, he really is. And not saying that you have to be a good guy to receive prayer, but he's a good one. Uh, What's his wife's name? Her, her, his wife. It's Kathy. Um, good to see you back with a smiling face rather than it wrapped up in cloth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, any other? Uh, Kim Chandler. Keep Kim Chandler. Yeah, Kim and Todd. Uh, Yes, ma'am, Miss Ray. My nephew um, had surgery today, and also we have um, Bob St. Germain, mm -hmm. uh, member of uh, Resident 12 Haven in the hospital. Okay. We don't know what. Okay. <coughs> All right. Uh, any other? Penny's in, Pen in the hospital, and they're running some tests on her. Penny, okay. Uh, Penny uh, Lucas? Penny. Penny. Yeah, keep her in your prayers because she's in the hospital, they're running the test. Uh, we give them traveling mercies as they wing their way back to paradise tomorrow. Um, get back to where you can, it's not cold. Uh, it's not southwest airlines. Do what? You know, it's not southwest airlines. You'll be here a while. It's not bad. And, uh, yeah, you, they're, they're taking back precious missions. They'll, they'll have a, 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 a fireworks show to remember for the rest of their life. <laughs> Did y'all do it today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't call it? Well, listen. Nope. Be glad you weren't there. <laughs> I got, I, I'll show you after church. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, God's good. Jason, how you, bro? I'm doing all right. Just yeah. pray for him to walk with the Lord and just him working in my life. Any other? Praise. We survived the fireworks show. <laughs> Any other? Up, upstate New York is is seeing a lot of devastation from the storm, and it's just uh, it's getting uncovered right now. Um, they're not talking about it, but. Uh, some of the news I'm listening to is, is pretty bad. People <coughs> out in their cars unprepared and uh, unable to get back. It was uh, rivaling the blizzard of 77. The blizzard of 77, I was in Fort Polk, Louisiana, and we were an engineer unit, and we got sent to New Hampshire to push smoke. They're talking about they already have a military out patrolling the streets up there in Buffalo and uh, Syracuse and all in that area. So keep them in your prayer. Any other? I was just listening to the radios. It was BBN Chuck Swindoll. He was talking about in the Bible when they were telling people to remember to tell their children, you know, what they had been through. And he was like in that remembering the year we just came through and all the different things. Each person is going to be different, but you know, seeing different years, but seeing things the way they were. It's uh, been a year. Any other? Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for this day. And Lord, we just thank you for the mercies and the blessings that you give us. Lord, we lift up those that were mentioned that are in the hospital and those that are facing procedures and have procedures. And Lord, we just lift them up to you. We lift up uh, those that are waiting to have surgeries and the, uh, the uncertainty that goes through their mind and their family's mind. And Lord, we just ask you to ease their, ease their anxieties and let them. Let them focus on you. Lord, 
nothing happens to us. You're not involved in it. We're your children. You're involved in our lives. You live in us. You, you occupy our heart. We take that for granted. Lord, I just ask that you would, as we go forward today with this Bible study and into the future, that you would always put in the forefront of us, Lord, that, that you are in us and we are in you so that we can do your will. Not. Lord, I love you and I ask you to touch the hearts of this word that needed to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, when we stopped Wednesday night, we were uh, in verse 14. And so, you know, God describes uh, our armor as Christians back in 13. Uh, the spiritual armor uh, is for defense. And uh, that's, the, that's the thing about the spiritual armor. It's not an offensive thing. It's not for us to go on the attack. It, it is defensive armor. Uh, and when we do these things... Uh, you know, we're to, we're to put on the, the full armor of God. Not just bits and pieces of it, but all the armor. And so when we've got to talking, you know, uh, uh, we uh, are to make every preparation to stand against the evil of this day. And so we can't do that unless we have the full, uh, the full armor of God. And so we're to stand strong in Christ. Uh, we don't stand in our own strength. Uh, we went down through that... Uh, that uh, we can do nothing in our own strength and Christ's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And uh, Christ told the apostles that He would give them a mouth and wisdom. Uh, the synagogue of the free man, freed men uh, was not able to resist Stephen. And when you think about that, in the midst of this, the synagogue of the freed men were not able to resist the preaching of Stephen. Because he called them out for the hypocrisy and, and the emptiness that they were. Um, then it cost him his life. Um, and we can do all things uh, as we depend on the strength of Christ. Uh, God gives more grace by resisting the crowd. Uh, and we resist the devil in the strength that Christ provides. The only way we can resist Satan is by the strength that Christ provides us. What did he tell us about our faith? Mustard seed. If we have the faith of the mustard seed, we can move mountains. Think about this. If we have the faith of a mustard seed, Satan can't touch us. That's right. You know, uh, and so uh, we stand in our not in our own strength, but our strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we go down through here, and uh, we resist the devil in the strength that Christ provides. Alright, we have our loins girded with truth. Go ahead. Let me back up the, the 12 a little bit before we go to the 12 of truth. Uh, last time we were, we were talking about this pivotal verse, this 12. And in this pivotal verse, Paul talks about four terms. Four terms that, that the fight is against. Um, and, and you said it very well. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So what was in the world here, uh, Paul spells out. First of all, principalities. Second, against powers. Powers. Not sure you can break all this down. World rulers of this darkness. And spiritual Hosts of wicked wickedness in heavenly places. This is in the unseen realm. This last part, but all of them are, in a sense, unseen. And these these powers, these powers, Paul gives us the enemy in a nutshell. They're a demonic spiritual force. He gives us a struggle. What is the struggle? We, as we unfold this, you'll see what the struggle is. It's a stand. It's defensive in nature, but not according to MacArthur. John MacArthur sees it as offensive. And it's, and it's got its offensive pieces. But by and large, it's not our, 
fight entirely. We are not alone in this. And the third thing is the necessity of armor. The necessity of God's armor. This is God's seven items of armament. And so there's a lot to break down in those little pieces. I'll do it very quickly. Um, <coughs> principalities. The letter to Colossae and the Colossians showed the whole church and Paul wrestling with these spiritual powers and evil which had now commenced their attack on the outlying posts of the Ephesian province. And that's what's going on here. It's coming out of Colossae. Some are in charge. They hold offices or positions. So that's the principalities. It's not flesh and blood, though. It's, it's rulers, but it's not against a person, an individual. It's against these powers, which are overwhelming. You've got to see it in that light. It's overwhelming as we go through this, how Paul rolls this out, and the surprise is how he deals with it at the end. We think he's struggling around in a jail cell, and that's not the case. We'll see. It says, in verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your weights with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then it goes into verse 15. So we're to be committed. By, it, it, we have to gird our loin with truth. All right? So we have to be committed to knowing the truth. And John 8, 31-32 tells us that. We have to be committed to knowing the truth. So that means we have to take an active role in our gaining knowledge of Jesus. We can't be innocent bystanders and wait for the Christ to say, okay, I'm going to impart all this to you. We need to be taking that. How are you going to get to know Him better? When you, like when you first get married, you know, you, you know, there was a whole lot of things that you didn't know about your wife or your husband. Certain things they liked, certain things they disliked, certain habits they had. Then it's easy to adhere to that. It's easy to provide for that. Or to try to strive for that. And so we be committed, we're, we are to be committed to obeying the truth. It's not just learning and knowing the truth, we have to obey the truth. And that's in James 1 22. And so uh, we purify ourselves by obeying the truth through the Spirit. So there's an active part in it. it we can't pick and choose what we're going to obey that God tells us to do. We have to obey it all. Some of it we like pretty good. Some of it we don't like because it hits us where nobody knows it hits us except Him. And He's going to keep hitting us until we deal with it. Because you're going to, once you deal with it, the circumstances and all that, you're going to run into someone who's going to be going through the same stuff you went through. And you're going to come alongside them and help them deal with it. That's why we tell them to... Uh, Carry each other's burdens. And, and this belt of truth. Yeah. What was the belt of truth in Rome's day? They wore a tunic. They had three holes in this garment. One went over the head and the two hands came through it. And it was a dress a man wore. It was a dress. And he couldn't go into battle with the dress on, as you well know. So what was the belt of uh, truth? The belt of truth Paul's talking about here. Again, not the physical things, the spiritual thing. But first of all, they gave the picture of this, this tunic having to be pulled up into the belt and folded over so that these loose ends, these loose iniquities of the human condition aren't tripping. You're not tripping on it. Your belt of truth is around you, holding you and your integrity in place so that you can fight the battle. There's no loose ends here. None. This tunic is descriptive of the belt of truth, this obvious truth. It's not gospel truth. It comes with the sword of the, the spirit later. But this is absolute, it's moral, objective truth. Knowing what's right and wrong. Knowing what things are. And remember, he had just got down with the walks. Unity, holiness, and love was the walks. That came from goodness that he taught as, as what we can do. 
and righteousness. So we're getting there a little bit next. But and the truth. The third one was the truth. And what is that truth? No ambivalence. We had to know with this full array that that there's no question on principle, on the stand. We got to know the full story of the gospel of Jesus Christ in its purity. No, no changing that story. It was that objective moral truth as it was laid out by Paul. And that belt of truth that just girded around you held everything in your integrity in place with the battle. We, uh, and we purify ourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit. That's First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 22. And so... Uh, <coughs> We have, we've been given the breastplate of life. And he tells us to put it on. Uh, oh, that's a cat. There you go. Uh, let me get carried. Um, we're playing cat hockey. Uh, in, in, at that time, the breastplate, the breastplate protected the lungs and the, and the heart, the bite and the stomach. And that was the vital parts of man were, were there. The breastplate protected all that. It was designed that if somebody hit you with a sword, it, it would save you. If somebody went to poke you with a spear, it would, it would go off to the side. And eventually they came up with more powerful weapons that could penetrate that breastplate. But we're put on the breastplate of truth. Where does Jesus live? In the heart. Why do we need to protect the heart? Because what comes from the heart proceeds from the... And so, uh, so we've been given the righteousness of Christ. That's part of what we're protecting. That's what's protecting us. The breastplate of righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ. We're covered in His blood. So we can stand before God in Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so that's Philippians 3 9. Alright? We are to grow in our obedience to that righteousness. We are to grow in our obedience to that righteousness. So each day, we should be getting closer to being righteous because, what did he tell us? Be holy. Why? Because God That's right. And so, if you're holy, you're what? Righteous. And so that's what he's telling us. That's Philippians 3, uh, 10 through 14. Uh, this is also the breastplate of faith and love. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, it is also faith and love. We know that when we have the breastplate of righteousness on our faith is strong, He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. And because we have that, He loves us. And through His love, we are able to love others. We can't love anyone else until we receive the love of God. We don't know what love is until we have been given the love of God to cover us from stuff that we deserve. And once we understand the depth of that sacrifice, then we will be able to have the full breastplate on 1 Thessalonians 5 eight. And so, so now we're moving on to 16, uh, 15, excuse me. Just, there's one, there's go ahead. The breastplate is over the heart, and the heart of man is wicked. The devil can't see through the righteousness of Christ. Remember this, this, this breastplate is Christ. It's not the person. Cannot get to the wickedness and deceive the heart because we're holding Christ out front. We're holding His name up in lights. We are not allowing Him to get to the heart. When you are fighting against evil things, your mind concentrates most often on the devil and the evil he presents. He holds your attention. That's his goal. But what you should be having your mind on and your heart on is on Christ. The righteousness He teaches then the devil will flee. 
So you are putting Christ out there to protect you. This is a protection uh, armament for the heart because our heart is what that devil is looking to get a hold of. And if he can find a crack in that breastplate, uh, and, and, and you said it right, and the whole point is this is all accomplished by righteous living, keeping those cracks off of us. If you're a carpenter, it's keeping those cracks coughed up so nothing can get through. The water shells off. Uh, so verse 16, it says, or 15, it says, uh, it says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay. So we have, we are to have our message ready. How many of you, including me, if someone was to come up to you, you could give them the gospel right now off the cuff. How many of you could do that? You don't, if you don't feel like raising your hand, you don't have to. It's not a quiz. We need to be prepared. You need to have your method ready because we are to put on and be shod with the gospel of peace. Christ's message causes a lot of unrest, but the gospel is of peace. You accept me for who I am and what I've done, and I will give you everlasting life. How peaceful can that be? That gospel was carried in the early Christian creeds, yeah. and they knew knew it by heart. So they carried that, and they could recite it. It was early Christian creeds that brought the evidence of the resurrection this is, I'm quoting Jerry Habermas in this, within literal weeks of when this event happened. And Mark, as you know, was written uh, years later, and the gospel was in Mark. But the creeds were carrying it long before the gospels were written. And that's that's what we should do. We should have that little creed, that Christmas, that um, we're studying uh, Westminster version or the Baptist confessional Thursday nights and so we're seeing those those things were written down but these creeds are often what carried that doctrine if you will uh, that the Baptist confessional carried but in a huge way but, but in condensed form that little creed was huge and uh, I'm going to, while we're on this, I'm just going to make a, a little allusion, or not allusion, a, a, a reference between the two. At the end of the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so, we're to shod our feet with the gospel of peace because we are supposed to take it out. We're not supposed to keep it in. We're supposed to share the gospel with everybody we come in contact with. And according to Adrian Rogers, when necessary, use words. People should be able to see our lives and know that we're Christian by the way we live. If we adhere to the righteousness that we talk about and set ourselves to being righteous, it will humble us and people will notice there's a difference. And so we have our feet, uh, we have our feet shod with the gospel of peace. Christ said that we are to Preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 15. So if you've never shared the gospel and you don't know how to do it, go outside, preach to the dog, preach to the birds, preach to the squirrels. Amen. Share it with every creature. And as you say, when necessary, yeah. use words. Right. <laughs> Paul's ministry was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Our ministry is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. 
We have the same ministry that the Apostle Paul had. That's what all the Apostles' ministry was. To testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's Acts 20:24. 20, Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He told the Romans that in 1.16. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Is there someone that you will not preach the gospel to because you might be a little nervous or what will they think of me afterwards? Well, this could cost me this or this could cost me that. Are you willing? Think about what it cost Jesus for us to have the gospel. You know, there's, this is the preparation of the gospel. And we're kind of backing up into the breastplate here a little bit. But it's not mentioned that, that this is, you know, Isaiah. Isaiah says, God says. God says about himself, this armor of God, in Isaiah 59, 16. I'm going to read it. He saw that there was no one, and was appalled that there was no one to intervene, so, his own arm, God's arm, brought him victory, and his righteous acts upheld him. Isaiah 59, 17. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in fury like a cloak. So, he will repay according to their action, anger, to his enemies, retribution to his foes, to the coastlines he will render their due. So people will fear the name of the Lord from the rest, from the west, and his glories from the rising of the sun. For he will come as a pent-up stream that the breath of the Lord drives along, and a redeemer will come to Zion. This is where the preparation of the gospel comes in. And this is back in Isaiah 59, 20. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, says the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, and my spirit that is upon you and my words that I put in your mouth will depart, won't rather, won't depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of your children's children from now on and forever. That's God talking back in Isaiah. But he left out shod with the preparation of the gospel because that's yet to come. You know, Paul endured all things to minister the gospel of Christ. He endured all things. Think about all the stuff he went through. They tried to kill him. He was bit by a snake. He liked to drown. He was stoned to death, left for dead. I mean, he was beaten. There was all kinds of things. And he was executed for the gospel of Christ. First Corinthians 9 12. Some turn from the grace of Christ to another gospel. In Galatians 1 6, that's what we have today. We have the false gospel out there. And it's rampant. It's rampant. I mean, you have people who actually believe that God ordained homosexuality. When clearly, he says it's abomination. You know, uh, and it must be true because all the countries in the world, the majority of them are saying it's okay. It's not. Until Jesus Christ says it's okay, it's not. It's not. These false teachers wanted to pervert the gospel of Christ. And that is what has happened today. When you have pastors, I'm fixing it. When you have pastors flying around in a $7.62 million airplane and their congregation is starving, there's a problem. There's a problem. The message of the cross of Christ is the message of peace. Galatians 6.16 We have the peace of God controlling our heart and mind. Philippians 4.4-7 4 
we have the peace of God controlling our hearts and our minds. We need to, that's why we need to be full of wisdom. That's why we need to be obeying God. We have the God of peace with us in spiritual battle. We don't stand before Satan alone. The God that created the demon and Satan is the God that lives in us. Who do you think stronger? The God in me or them in the world? He tells us. He tells us. It's not rocket science. We are to have a we have or we we are to have biblical protection. In verse 16 it says, uh, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery dart of the wicked one. The shield of faith. You can throw the darts at you of all kind of deception and, and deceit. And that shield of faith will defeat you. They won't hit you. And what is faith? Faith is the substance of those things hoped for and the evidence of those things unseen. And we're not talking about the bad unseen stuff here. Well, I can tell you this, man. The fire darts hurt. Yeah, and they do. And they are. <laughs> Discouragement, failure, despair, doubt, resentment, and questioning. We question sometimes. It's a little dart. That's a crack. Sometimes we shouldn't question certain things. Certainly not doubt. <coughs> Christ tells us to take certain things in order to stand. We will fail to stand in our own strength. We will fail to stand in our own strength. We will become afraid. We won't share the gospel. We, we can be easily titled down. Somebody will come up and, and, and question us or challenge us on something that we know that's biblical. And if we try to do it in our own strength, we'll fail. We will cower down. John 15, 5 and Romans 7, 19. We ought to present ourselves as slaves to obey. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. Christ paid a heavy penalty for me. I don't know what it cost him for you, but I know what it cost him for me, and it was not cheap. Because I know the depravity of my mind and heart. And he paid that price for me so that I wouldn't have to. Romans 6.16 this is necessary because our human weakness. It's necessary that we do this fighting in the strength of God because of our human weakness. He became flesh. He knows us. He knows our capabilities and He knows our weaknesses. He created us. And He walked around in flesh. Romans 6, 19. The Lord even uses our failure to confirm us or to conform us to His image. Think about this. How many times have we failed and wound up coming closer to Christ? Causes of, you know, I heard an old saying one time, that God won't give you more than you can handle. But it lets you pile it on until it drives you to your knees. Once you're on your knees, I had a preacher one time say, once you get on your knees, you might as well go ahead and put your head below your heart. And to do that, I mean, you've got to put your forehead on the floor. Once your head below your heart, then you can talk to the Lord truthfully. And so, you know, we, we're, to, we're to be all about Jesus, sold out. The Lord even uses our failures to conform us to His image. Think about it. He still loves us. Romans 8, 28-29. No created thing can separate us from the love of Christ. Let me repeat that. No created thing can separate us from the love of Christ. Everything is created by Him. Go to John. Nothing was created that He was not there. Satan is a created being. He cannot separate us 
from the love of Christ. You are a created being made in the image of God. You cannot separate yourself from the love of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Once you accept Christ, once you accept Christ, you can't be separated from God. Now you can backslide and not listen to Him, but when you have committed, truly committed yourself to God, you cannot be separated from the love of God. You can't. What was that verse found? The verse? No. Or that one? Yeah. Uh, Romans 8, 35 and 39. 35 through 39. You can't. You can't. That's why people give us that as a hard rap. Because it says, you know, we believe you cannot lose your salvation. Right here, it's telling you, you cannot. Jesus says, no man can take you out of the hand that the Father has put you in. If no man can take you out, you can't take you out. And here it says, no created being can separate us from the love of Christ. Remember this Ezekiel 28, 14, though. God didn't make this ugliness of the devil. Mm -hmm. He made you were the model of perfection, Ezekiel 28, 14. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. I read this last night. Through it says here. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence. And he threw him out. He threw him out. He created the devil, but he did not cause him to sin. And it ends with that. And Let's say he threw him out and he fell like a lightning. Right. And you will come to a horrible end and will be no more. So this is this is a terminal thing that he did, and of course he created us too. He created us. There's a. Uh, by the way, just to say this, we were created by God. We have a genetics inside of us from Adam. And part of that genetic code from Adam and, and Eve, of course, for the. Women, and that's getting tampered with right now. And once it goes beyond a certain level, and we're not and we're tampered with, it's mutating, no doubt. We have mutations, things like sickle cell anemia, etc. Well, but once it gets tampered with and destroyed, the end will be soon. God will not be careful that you're not deceived on it. It's no good thing to tamper with the creation of God. He's made us. He's made us, how does it say, Perry? He's made us We're wonderfully mm -hmm. and fearfully made. Mm -hmm. And so the fearful part is that people this day and age are tampering with that genetic code. So um, we've been able to map it, for instance. But that's just the starting point. What I mean to say is he gave humans full authority, uh, dominion, I guess you'd call it, over the earth. He gave it to us. And now, in this particular area, Paul is talking about, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is the kingdom of God. This armament is holding the line. It's holding a stand. It's not giving up the kingdom of God. We are the body of Christ. And we are holding that kingdom of God. That has to be said and understood. The entire world, collectively, that is a belief of Jesus Christ as their Redeemer and are saved, are holding this ground. None of it is being given up. None of it. And that's key for us individually to hold that ground. 
We are a creation of God. We are in the image of God, and we are holding this ground. And these are the armament pieces. I say that emphatically, but that's what Paul is talking about here. This is the kingdom of God. And he's in prison, and it's getting scary for him. That is why we're to take up the whole armor of God. That's why. There's a whole lot going on. You know, I heard a, I heard a preacher on Facebook make a take up of all places. He said, Satan got kicked out of heaven because he got mixed up. And he was created to worship God, but he wanted the worship rather than give it. And so God kicked him out. He said he fell like, fell like lightning to the earth. And he said, that's why Satan hates Christians. Because he messed up one time and got kicked out. God lets us mess up all the time and yet he still treats us. Take him Don't rebel against God. Don't. You know, uh, we're having, you know, we have biblical protection. We're talking about that. You know, that's just why we put on the whole armor of God. We're to take the shield of faith. The shield of faith provides protection from temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. This faith gives us an eternal viewpoint. An eternal viewpoint. You've heard of the Christian worldview? We have an eternal viewpoint. We view the world through the lens of someone who's temporarily here. We have a home that's not here. We're ambassadors. Aliens, for lack of a better term. Uh, this faith gives us an eternal viewpoint. That's 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. This faith quenches all the fiery darts of Satan. That shield of faith. Our faith is what quenches the darts of Satan. 1 Peter 5. Verses 8 and 9. This faith causes us to know the wicked one cannot touch us. Remember me telling you you can be oppressed but you can't be possessed? We can be oppressed and pushed in from all sides. But we can't be possessed because he can't occupy the same space as Jesus Christ. And what is the Holy Spirit? In our kingdom of God. And so, uh, this is called the, uh, it quenches the fire and art for Peter 5, 8 and 9. The faith, this faith causes us to know the wicked one cannot touch her. 1 John 5, 18 and 19. This protection will quench all the fire and art of the wicked. Not just the wicked one, but the wicked. Uh, this is how, uh, this is how to have victory over evil from within us. Now we have our victory. This is how we we withstand and be able to withstand the things that come at us. People say, man, you, I can't believe it. You stood there. You know, it's the cause of the faith of God in us. We adhere to Him. We, we, we reveal to Him and we yield to Him. Uh, that's Mark 7, 21-23. As evil, as, as evil heart will cause us to depart from the living God. As an evil heart will cause us to depart from the living God. That's why we have the shield. Hebrews 3.12 This is why we're not to quench the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is working with you and convicting you, don't brush it aside. Don't brush it aside. Yield to it. It's telling you something that you need to protect yourself from Satan's attack. And maintain that faith. Yeah, that's yeah. faith. You remember Billy Graham. Billy Graham was this guy that wasn't very good at preaching at first. He was good, obviously good. Very effective. But he wasn't very good. Templeton, his partner, was the good orator and was better at preaching than Billy Graham. He went on to get his Ph.D. and went on into philosophy and, and uh, I believe, um, theology as well. 
And then years later, Billy Graham came to him. You know what caused him to crack? You know what caused Templeton to get a crack in his shield of faith? He saw a picture in the Time magazine of a, a woman, a black woman, in a drought with her baby, who which was dead. And he gave up on God. What's a physical thing in life? Ableton nailed down his spiritual faith. But that's what it was. That's by and large. Probably a lot more than that to be, you know. But that was what was told in that story. And Billy Graham went on. And at the end of his age, he still, Templeton, was still renouncing his faith in God. Because how could that happen? Things that aren't right. I have a few myself. But it doesn't matter. That's what God is for. Right? With that joy. And that, all things, all the tears that you wipe away someday, all those things that we have a, a reason to gripe or complain of, all that will be removed. We will be fuller yet in eternity. And Paul here is looking square into it. We come back to our story. The end of this Ephesians is just it's just overwhelming. <coughs> huge. And Paul is sitting there saying, Oh, yeah, oh my goodness. I'm in prison. But you Ephesians, be strong. He's speaking for them out of his weakness. Strong. Strong is speaking for them out of his weakness. This is one we're not to quench his faith. First Thessalonians 5 19. And then in verse 17 it says, We are to take on or we are to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so, the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation is the hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 That hope is based on the resurrection of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 12 to 21. That hope is based on the return of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. The hope, or that hope, we have as an anchor of the soul. Hebrews 6, 17 and 19. 17, 18 and 19. Hebrews. These are the things that we have. That helmet of salvation. The hope of salvation. That's what we have. The hope of salvation. The hope is based on the resurrection of Christ. Now back back up here, we had to put on the what? We had to shod our feet with the gospel of peace. So here you go. When you put on the helmet of salvation, that is the gospel of peace. It's based on the resurrection of Christ. That hope is based on the return of Christ. And that hope we have is our anchor for the soul. In Christ. In Christ. All of this is in Christ. And just to throw another scripture in there, remember Matthew 24? When these guys were expecting Jesus to be their conqueror, their leader, to overthrow Rome. He says, do you see all these things? The stones of the temple, the gold, the glitter. He says, I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on, on another. Every one will be thrown down. They had to be shattered. Their hope, well, like most of the Israelites, was in the place where God was. Well, they were right there with God. He says, helmet of salvation. Here it comes. The helmet of salvation. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming back? Because it won't lose him too. And at the end of the age, Jesus answered, Watch out that you're not deceived. 
Put that helmet on your head where you can get deceived in your thoughts. Put that helmet on your head. That's, do not be deceived. In fact, this is bookmarked on both ends of this story. Do not be deceived at the end of it as well. And so he's saying, deception, you know, you cannot penetrate that helmet of what? You know you're saved. You're saved. You are saved. He's not going to get through that helmet of salvation. All right. Spiritual armor in this section is for all things. The sword of the Spirit is one of our weapons. It says, says, And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Alright? So we're to take the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is greater than a human sword. Hebrews 4.12 The sword of the Spirit defeats Satan. Matthew 4, 4, 7, 10, and 11. Oh, that's Matthew chapter 4. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Hebrews 4, 12. It tells us in Hebrews that it will cut right to the little ligament that holds the bone together. And now, uh, we are to realize that the that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Not a physical sword. The Word of God. Think about this. Think about this. Somebody calls you on a sin you've done. And immediately they give it to you, you're cut to the quick. You hurt. The sword and the Word of God. The Word of God is a sword, and it cuts hard. An example is not a great example, but for me, I've said it several times, I come home one day from work, and my girls was in high school, and there was a bunch of girls sitting around the kitchen table, probably seven or eight, and they were talking about this one girl that had a little bit of misfortune. And so I'm just walking through, and I'm not really paying attention to their conversation. And I asked them, did you pray for her? In unison, did you? And so I had to go. I went into my bedroom and got on my knees and I prayed for that girl. And I came back in there and I said, yes, I did. They said, we already had. But they cut me. Did you? If you want to know what your, what your children think is important to you, ask them. But, be prepared for the truth you're going to hear from me. Because I asked mine one time. I didn't like the answer I got. I had to do some change. They will tell you what you what they perceive to be the most important thing to you. They're, they're pretty perspective, or, or, or perceptive on where your time lies. And it, 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 it's, a, it's a tough thing to do that. And it takes Honesty to be able to accept what they're going to tell you without getting hot. Yeah, because they're your children. You know, you brought them in the world, you can take them out. But, but once you know, uh, once they give you truth like that, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's a reality check, and then it causes you to go back and look over a period of time, and you realize, uh, hopefully, it, it, it's a meaningful thing. But it's tough. It is tough when your children give you truth. Because most of the times we're not prepared to handle the truth, whether it's from our children or anybody else. Uh, this this word of God, as it's called, the sword of the spirit. In Greek is Rhema. It's found in Ephesians 5, 26, Word of God. Romans 10, 8, and 17, 1 Peter 1, 25, which refers to the Preach the word. This is the preached word. So it is offensive, mm-hmm. but it's also defensive mm-hmm. because it corrects wrong thinking and and teaching if we ourselves stay in the scripture. It can be corrective and defensive. It, it, it builds our defenses. It's it's our 
apologetics when we understand what the Word of God is. And so it, it can be you know, defensive. But offensive, we can use the Word of God to evangelize and take ground. Actually take ground. See? We were holding ground up in this point. We were holding the kingdom of God in place. And now, with the word of God, we can take ground from the demonic, from the devil. We can take ground. We can take souls. Now, remember, this word of God isn't our weapon. It's God's weapon. So God is really doing this. We are evangelizing, but we must take this gospel message out, put it out there, like sowing seed, and let God grant the growth. But if we don't, there can be no seeds planted, can it? So this is the offensive nature, this scatter those seeds out, say something, and this force can win part, it's his, his force, can win his kingdom of God back to him. What he starts with is a perfect Eden. He wants it back. He is not giving up. He is not going to stop. Eden will be Eden when he's done. But in the meantime, this brokenness is, is here. And we need to take our stand. Still, this gift belongs to the Holy Spirit. And we remain in defensive posture against these demonic forces. I'm going to finish up verse 17. Uh, we're, we are to realize that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is living and powerful. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is greater than our words. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. The Word of God will take away our fear of man. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. When we realize that he who is in us, really realize, is greater than he who is in the world. What are we to fear? Look what the disciples went to. Look what the disciples went to. They knew that it was going to be bad. They knew how the end was going to come, but yet they would not denounce Jesus Christ. As king and Lord, they would not give back to Caesar. They would not give back to the Sanhedrin. They went to their death proclaiming God. Any questions, any comments? One more. Go ahead and last part of this. The spirit is not the sword. But the sword belongs to the spirit. And it's the word of God. God needs no other weapon than the word to accomplish his messianic mission. Isaiah 11, 4b. And Christians are given this very same weapon to use. I'll read it. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. Any questions? Any comments? Go ahead, Jay. Explain to me again on that verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right. But against rulers and against authorities. Right. But aren't the rulers and authorities flesh and blood? What is yes, in a sense, but they are possessed by demons and their servants Satan. That's in Ezekiel. That brings it out. So we're really we're not fighting the person that's possessed. Remember Jesus called called demons out yeah. of the people. He was and he told them to go. In Ezekiel, it kind of explains that the yeah, you know, there's a tire inside the prince and the king. So we're, we're struggling not against the people, but the people, the, the power that, that, that possess the people. Yes. Okay. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And that's why I think that's like a demoniac that, you know, that we are legion. They went into that flock of pigs and ran off and because he was casting them, he was casting them in 
to the pit. Until the judgment day, and then they, he said, please don't, until we put them in the pigs, and they run the pigs off, and they, they wound up in the pit anyway. They didn't leave that lake. Don't we struggle against our own flesh and blood, though, in the, our carnal nature? Our carnal nature, we do, but because we have the Spirit living in us, we're able to subdue that. Okay. And if, if we're a nation, one nation under God, that's why I think this country thrived so, so well for some time. But when when that when the house is cleaned out, when the house is purged of everything in it, take prayer out of the schools, take uh, the Bible out of this and that, that and don't bring God into the courtroom, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the house is swept clean. Then this demon can go out, get seven of his friends, bring it back into this house, and it's worse than it started. Worse than with, in other words, the one has now got seven demons in it, and it can be very dangerous. So the Christian, during this time, Paul was on his own. There was no nation under God. Rome was the seat of power, and it had false gods. And and, and finally, Paul was fighting things on the outside of the church and on the inside of the church. So so we had this great country that believed in God. Still, we are the church. Any other question? Any other comments? Not that the Lord prayer. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have it written down so that we can study it. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit so that we can understand it. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us what our responsibilities are and how we can be most effective for you. But we thank you that you're patient with us. We thank you, Lord, that you provide for us. We ask all these things, Lord, in your holy and precious name. Amen.